Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com What's up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, March 23rd edition of the Rebel Report podcast, as it feels like we are now hitting what feels like the norm of this whole quarantine deal. I know Oxford last night shut down all non-essential businesses. I uh, socially distanced responsibly and played golf Saturday, which appears to be the last time for two weeks, because last time I checked, I don't think golf courses are essential businesses, so uh, probably a necessary step, but still just all the more weird. But now this feels like the norm. Like I watched the same two movies on television twice a piece in a like 36 hour span and uh, didn't really feel that bad about doing nothing at this point, which is uh, kind of starting to feel more normal, which I think that in and of itself is kind of weird. What's up? Oh, just editing Wiz Khalifa's black and yellow for radio so you can read it this afternoon. Okay, that's uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So apparently we're doing me reading rap on the podcast I, on the radio. Rippy reads a rap. I can't uh, wait. I guess that's the kind of content I wish I had thought of for myself for this podcast. But we're gonna forge on anyway. I finally watched the Hangovers and got it. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't narrow it down to five because I just started writing every scene that Alan had a line in, and I was like, this shit is not gonna work. So we'll get to that. I have just some general observations about the movies. I, uh, but yeah, this weekend was brutal. This was the first time I was like, all right, this sucks. We're supposed to be having round of 32 games. And cause it was raining yesterday afternoon. Like you couldn't go out and run or anything. Like obviously you can't really go to gyms. Like yesterday was the first time where I was like, holy crap. I feel like I'm in like, like not prison, but like, uh, what's it, what's it house arrest? Like, this is awful. Like this, this was really the first yesterday was really the first day where it really got to me. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, it's getting there, especially since I couldn't do yard work this weekend because of the rain. Um, imagine, because right now it's not that bad for us, relatively speaking. Imagine being on basic shutdown and living in a 500 square foot New York City loft. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I was thinking San Francisco too, like that type of thing, because like they've been on it for a while. Yeah, I mean it's just you'd go nuts. I lived when I was in uh, I interned one summer right after undergrad at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, uh, which I liked. I love downtown Little Rock, but the apartment I lived in, because it was very last minute, it was very old, and it was a hellhole. Like, it was tiny. Like, my bed and my couch were five feet apart. Like, it was one of those deals. Like, if I got locked up in there for an extended period of time, uh, I don't know what I would do. It'd be I'd go insane. So, at least, yeah, I guess at least we have houses. Look at Borky being on the bright side of things. I'm trying, man. I- I'm just still holding out hope that this uh, apparent uh, malaria drug may be the answer. I mean, what's crazy is I just I don't see enough coverage of it. Maybe it's just simply because people are skeptical or what. I don't know. But like they talked last week about this drug, chlora something, something chlorophene. Uh, That's a malaria drug that some lab in France did a test on the coronavirus and it was 100% effective. And we're, we're trying it here. I think it was the head of the FDA said they're going to do their own trials on it before uh, they start um, using it as the cure for this thing or a treatment for this thing. But there are some physicians that have already started using it to good results. 
Like, you think that would be something that is widely publicized, right? Like, hey, the FDA is trying this thing. Here's the timeline. Like, here's what an FDA trial is like. Here's what they're testing for. But I have no idea. Like, it was just thrown out there in passing, and I can't find information on it anywhere. It's crazy to me. Like, you think that would be the forefront of, hey, this is the timeline. Here's what they're trying. Here's what the FDA does. Here's the approval process. That's the kind of stuff I want to know. Like, even if it doesn't work, like, isn't that what, like, reporters are supposed to do? You know, like, inform the public of this? I don't know. It, it's crazy to me that we don't know more about it, just widely around. Yeah, I've read some about it throughout the weekend, and, like, I'm far from a medical expert. How many times have I uttered that phrase in the last couple of weeks? But, like, the big dumb brain side of me just wants to be like, hey, let's pass this shit out like Skittles and get on with our lives. Right. And secondly, <laughs> and then secondly, obviously, there's probably some very serious side effects and, and very serious testing that needs to happen that we don't. Uh, that obviously, right. Like, so what like, is like, that dumb dumbs like I would me love and you to don't know. consider yeah. Right. And like I've always I've read that most like vac like cures or vaccines or whatever. I don't even know if you call this a vaccine because it's already existing medicine. I guess that's not the case. Take like 12 to 18 months. But then I keep reading they can expedite it. I don't know. I'm not getting my hopes up. But if I get a pill from the government in my mailbox, I'll probably eat it. So <laughs> where do you want to start? Uh, corona side day. I guess we'll go. We'll do, I'll save the hangover thing for the end. We'll uh we did have some more NFL free agency news over the weekend, a little bit of Ole Miss-related news. Laquan Treadwell, for starters, was picked up by the Atlanta Falcons, and I just had the details of the deal in front of me, or so I thought, and now I lost it. Do you know what it was? was I couldn't it not find the finances, so you were a step ahead of me. I just know that that a deal got done, but I, I could not find a, um, a, a dollar amount. I thought I had it on Spotify track which i was just uh complimenting that guy's website i bet he's making a killing during all of this particularly since the other thing is going on anyway could not find a figure i'll look up that in just a second but a fresh start for laquan treadwell after what has really been just a i mean just a career that's really been nothing to speak of uh, i'm not gonna lie i know he wasn't the quickest guy coming out but i was pretty pretty surprised his career has turned out the way it has uh, through the first, what is this, I guess, that'd be four years in the NFL? Did he play through, I guess he played through his rookie contract. Like, I would yeah. never picture him getting cut and then him being re-signing in the middle of the year. But, I mean, he's got 65 career receptions, 107 targets, 701 yards and two touchdowns over a four-year span at this point, one lost fumble, just uh, like I said, I didn't I didn't know what to expect from a couple of those dudes when they came out in 16 or whatever it was. But I did. I, I, Laquan Treadwell, I thought was going to be a hit in the NFL, just the way he played in college and the kind of bully ball he played. I guess it was a little naive to think that that alone could get by, in by in the NFL. But again, I was in college at the time, so I would readily admit I wasn't fully aware of like a he had a game that didn't translate in terms of like all the other things, whether it's route well, running. But man, speed. it's not that it, you've got people that that are now doing this hindsight thing where oh yeah, I I knew that he wasn't going to be a good pro. Oh shut up, you did not. The reason why part of the reason why he's not a good pro is he he has not been the same. Since that devastating injury, he was already not a, a burner by any stretch of the imagination, but either is Michael Thomas. And I know their games aren't exactly similar, but you can be 
a successful wide receiver in the NFL. There are dozens of them right now that are not the fastest guys on the field. He was a physical guy. He could go up and catch the football, but he has just not been the same since he shattered his ankle. I mean, I I, I hate the the hindsight thing that, oh, I always knew something that I never actually said out loud guy. Um, Nobody saw this kind of lack of production coming. No, it, well, if they did, they didn't say it, and then it's it's on you. But um, I'm with you, man. I think he just hasn't been the same since the ankle. Uh, and that really set him back. That, that was devastating. It's hard to recover from that. That aside, though, I agree with I agree with you. But that aside, he they still uh, NFL franchise still spends a pretty high fr- first round pick on him. So what does this mean? Because we were talking on the radio show on Friday after Todd Gurley signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Ten of their 11 offensive starters were uh, came entered the NFL as first-round picks. Obviously, I don't think I'll consider Treadwell a starter, but that's another first-round pick on a ridiculously talented offense. Like To me, it also there's several layers to the Quan Treadwell thing because you had Adam Thielen kind of come in around the same time and really emerge out of nowhere into one of the NFL's best receivers and probably take the role that they were hoping Treadwell would fill. Then, obviously, you had Stephon Diggs, Rudolph. Like, it was just kind of a perfect storm for him to get squeezed out. But, like, does like in your mind, does this change anything? Like, would, would there be a career resurrection? Uh, maybe. It just, I mean, he's on a team with Julio Jones and uh, Calvin Ridley, right? So, I mean, in three wide receiver sets or more, he's going to be – defended by, at best, the third-best defender on the field. So maybe that will give him an opportunity to exploit some mismatches and be a consistent threat. And that's how he's going to get back into making money, being a primary receiver, showing that he can do it. Didn't really get the reps all that often in Minnesota, and when he did, he had a drop problem. Uh, He and uh, Dante Moncrief both – Moncrief just the last year. Boy, that year. Sunday night game with the uh, – the, do you remember the Steelers at the beginning of the year with Moncrief? I think it was – I can't remember if it was the Pats game where Roethlisberger got hurt or before that, but, like, like Moncrief had three or four drops on Sunday night football to where it was like, holy cow, like, is this guy going to get cut, like, you know, after this thing ends? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, and it, and it ended up happening shortly thereafter, didn't it? I th- I, th- I Thought he stayed on. I don't know. I think they were so injury riddled. I thought he stayed on, but either way, it was it was brutal. But as for with regards to Treadwell, the Thielen mirror, I just pulled up Thielen's numbers. He was so he entered the NFL in 2014. Obviously, you know the Thielen story at this point. The Minnesota State walk on, when he had like a ninety dollars scholarship, uh, went to an open tryout. So he makes a team the first two years. Eight receptions, twelve receptions, and fifteen like. Plays in pretty much, appears to be all 16 games, but not much of a factor of a reserve receiver. Laquan Treadwell enters their, enters the NFL in 2016, and Thielen's numbers jumped to 69 receptions on 92 targets, 967 yards, five touchdowns, and then follows that back up with back-to-back 1,250-plus yard seasons. So you talk about coming into the NFL to where they probably didn't expect that sort of jump from Thielen. They probably expected it from their first-round pick. So if you've got a drop problem and you're not the same after an injury, and you got that guy producing at that level at your position, like that's a that's a tough situation to be in. For sure, I just um, I hope it works though. I mean that Falcons offense, um, even though they've kind of built uh, the last couple of pieces around uh, misfit toys, that is still a bunch of first round picks on that offense. I mean, what is it? Ten of eleven starters, and then you'll mix in Treadwell, a former first round pick. On that offense, they have no excuse to not drop 35 points a game. 
Yeah, and so that was kind of what I was getting at. What are the pluses here? He's got a better quarterback throwing to him. I don't think that's in question. Would you would you contest that? Better quarterback, probably a more explosive offensive system. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, it's undoubt, undoubted since Treadwell's been in the league that the Falcons have been a better offense year by year than the Minnesota Vikings. There may be some deviance, but just overall in the four-year sample size, I'm trying to see what the Falcons' updated roster would be. Like, what are we working at here? Hmm. So he joins a free agent class of Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, a guard, and then an outside linebacker, Dante Fowler, whatever. But, like, where does he fit in? Like, I imagine he's going to be in that third and fourth range, third and fourth right. wide receiver Yeah, range. I mean, at best, he'd be a, he'd be a third receiver. I mean, what, do we have to work out of the slot some? Is he – he can work in the slot. I mean, he's physical enough. If he wants to go over the middle, I mean, that'd be – he could build a home there. I mean, look what A.J. Brown's doing. At this point, so I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see. I've always figured, like, once it what you knew mid 2018 that this was not working out with he and the Vikings at that point. And a lot of times, like 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 all all evidence aside, and whatever happened in the first two years, you do kind of wonder what a new start with a fresh team can do. And he's getting it, which is good. But what's interesting is is Robert Kimdichi, I believe, is still not signed. Who would have thought that? The way those two were drafted, I, I I think I wrote at the student newspaper one uh, before their draft night that it wouldn't 100% stun me if Kim Dietschy was not in the NFL in five years. And, like, not to be like, hand-raised guy, look at this, but, like, I mean, it seems to be heading that way. But I guess my overall point in there is, like, who would have thought on that draft night before all of the literally tons of stuff happened, you would have Treadwell at this point in his career trying to just kind of re- – I don't even know if it's a restart. It's just kind of jumpstart a career that never really took off. And then uh, Robert Kimdichie pretty much out of the league. He'll probably get another shot, but fact remains he remains unsigned right now. Like You knew Tunsil was a slam dunk, but man, out of those three, I didn't figure it would go this poorly this quickly. Yeah, I mean, Treadwell's more surprising than Kimdichie, though, if you think about it. Robert just... 100%. Many times... Um, showed that he doesn't care that much about playing football. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this training not camp, passion. he came it, in overweight. It, yeah, I mean, he showed up yeah, uh, in Miami, right? And they cut him. Like, he couldn't run gassers before a game. And they were like, this is, uh, this but that is done. Was, he, that's how he got cut from Arizona, too. He was already kind of in the doghouse. And then he showed up to training camp overweight. And they're like, uh, yeah, sorry, pal. Like, this, this is over. Um, it's a shame, man. It, it, look, it, only do what you want to do. It works out for people. It, hopefully, it'll work out for him eventually. But, man, if he just had a 50% football focus, he would have been a mainstay in the NFL for years. The best game he ever played at Ole Miss was without a doubt that 2015 night at Alabama. But you never really saw that from him again where he just kind of dominated and took over a game. Like, it was like a flat. It was like the, you saw like the flash of brilliance, and you saw it in other spots throughout his career. I'm not saying that was his only game, but that would, to me was the longest sustained period of time where you're like, "Holy cow, this guy can't be blocked by anyone." And you just never really saw that again for any lengthy stretch, unless I'm misremembering a game or forgetting a game. Right. But 
Anyway, good for Laquan. Uh, elsewhere, we do got a couple other free agent signs to get to. The Saints, if you're a Saints fan, probably pretty happy about this. But first, take a break to remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg hooked my household up this weekend. I went and saw him on Friday. Um, Friday afternoon, I guess, right after lunch before we did the show on Friday. I got the Lane Train special with a couple of stuffed mushrooms. And then Greg threw in a uh, 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 like take and bake meatloaf that... Everyone hates on meatloaf, and I don't really know why. Uh, like, I never – I don't want to say I'd never had it. I hadn't had it as many times to, like, form the, uh, I guess, the hot take that it sucks. But uh, it was really, really good. I went in with an open mind, and uh, me and my two roommates uh, baked that thing up and had it on Saturday night, and it was fantastic. Why do people hate on meatloaf? I'm just curious. Do you like it? Um, I like good meatloaf. Uh, it's not like – This definitely you know fell into that bad category. Pizza. Like like yeah. frozen pizza, you'll still eat it because it's pizza. Like I can't do that with meatloaf. It's got to be made well for me to enjoy. Okay. Well, this was definitely made well. It was fantastic. And then I ate the bacon wrap fillet and the mushrooms for dinner on Sunday night. So Greg has uh, consisted of my last two dinners, but he can uh, he feeds the baseball or he, <laughs> God, I was about to go back to that normal promo. Well, Greg can feed you during this time of quarantine. Go see him. University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, I did this weekend, and it was fantastic. You won't regret it. Elsewhere in the NFL, the Saints signed a big-time wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. I'll just let you set the table here. What does this mean? I know it's good, but like I don't follow the Saints close enough to know exactly. Well, they just desperately needed a, a number two receiver. I mean, their number two last year, depending on – what game it was, was either an aging Ted Ginn who's got drop problems or Traquan Smith, who's a guy you've never heard of, and for good reason. I mean, that offense was complete except for a number two wide receiver, and especially you saw it uh, in the the wild card game. A team with a good enough defense uh, could focus on Michael Thomas, try to take him away or at least limit him, and then suddenly their passing offense was kind of uh, kind of an issue. They needed just somebody else to be a threat at the wide receiver position, and then they turn around and sign one that's uh, had multiple thousand-yard seasons and a guy that in some places would be uh, like an easy number one target, and now they've got him, even though, I mean, he's, what, 32, 33, so he's a little bit older, but still incredibly consistent and a perfect complement to Mike Thomas in that they just they haven't been able to find it uh, for the last couple of years, and so now they find it and at a pretty good discount, too. You want to talk about maximizing what's around you. I could have this wrong, but I'm going to double-check it real quick. Emmanuel Sanders has now caught passes from Big Ben, Peyton Manning, Jimmy G, and now will be catching passes from Drew Brees for the better part of his entire career. The only other times would be the three, I guess it would be two, no, that would be three seasons after Peyton Manning retired that he was still in Denver and caught from, you know, Brock Osweiler, whoever the hell else they were <laughs> They're trying to run out there. But, uh, for the better part of what is now a 10-year career, Big Ben, Drew Brees, uh, Peyton, and Jimmy G, I would say that's a few pretty good quarterbacks to have. Yeah, man. Um, I think he's won or been to three Super Bowls, too, if I'm remembering correctly. 2010. What Was it 2010 the oh, – shoot. Was that the – Was that the? Oh, now you're going to make me look it up. Definitely two. No. Definitely three, because he went to two with the Broncos and then obviously played in this last one with the uh, Niners. 
Uh, let me see what this 2010 Super Bowl was. So he's at least played in three. Probably should have won two. I don't know if he wants to re Yeah, he played, yeah. so he they won the AFC in 2010. He was on the team. They did not win the Super Bowl that year. The Steelers' last Super Bowl was 12 years ago. Really? Isn't that crazy? I mean, Rodgers only has the one in 07, which is kind of nuts. That's, wow. what, 13 at this point? Yeah. But So, yeah, yeah so, so that, he played in one in 2010. He won one in 14, right? And then played in two more. Yeah, he played in the C. He would have to play it in the Seahawks-Broncos route and then the one this year, of course. Uh, of course, with the Chiefs and the Mahomes comeback. So that's a pretty good addition for the Saints. That, uh, that man, that division, you talk about, we were on the radio show, we were still giving credence that the NFC West is probably the best division in, in football, but the NFC South is uh, giving it a run for its money. That is, uh, particularly from an offensive standpoint, the, uh, the worst offense in the division probably has Christian McCaffrey on it. If, like, if you're trying to rank it out, <laughs> you're really splitting hairs there. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, so any other – I guess there wasn't really much earth-shattering news. Um, Brian Hoyer signed with New England. I mean, their quarterback room, they've got to make a cut. Either that or they're going to roll with Stidham and Brian Hoyer be his mentor or whatever because they've got a full quarterback room and they don't have cap room to even draft one, really. Uh, so they've got to cut one of these guys, or this is what they're going to play with. Are they really going to roll into the season with Jared Stidham? Would you expect something different from Belichick? I mean, you think he's going to go out and sign Cam Newton and deal with all that crap? I mean, no, but if there's a, the most Belichick move of all time would be to win a Super Bowl with Ginger Andy Dalton or someone just painfully <laughs> boring. But it's kind of going to give you like, you know, exactly what you're going to get. Seriously, why would you what would be the what would be the cons to uh, to signing Andy Dalton to a two, three year deal or whatever, and then just continue to let Stidham develop? I just I know he was injured that last year at Auburn, if I'm not mistaken, but I just I don't really see it. I don't understand what they see. But then he's also the one that had Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy G on the roster to back up Tom Brady all at the same time. So maybe what what the hell do I know? Maybe I'm just an idiot. But I, I don't know. I just figured they would go try to make something happen because this is kind of his time, right? Like if there's someone with more to prove here, wouldn't it be Belichick to the point where, you know, it wasn't just Brady all of those years. And like he's kind of had the desire to win post Tom Brady. And now this is kind of it. So yeah. I just figured they would make a more immediate move. Maybe he's just doing the ultimate alpha thing and be like, watch this. I'm going to win with this kid that played at Baylor and Auburn to varying degrees of success. I don't know. But I mean, if you were, I mean, a, a long time ago, Tom Brady, everybody has seen the combine videos, but he did play at Michigan. It wasn't good there, though. I mean, and he turned that guy into the greatest of all time. So maybe it's just he doesn't have the desire to go get somebody else because, like you mentioned, he's got this home, not homegrown kid, but this, this, guy that he apparently likes enough to stick with and is going to roll with it just like he did when he had to go to Brady. I mean, maybe he sees that same thing instead of boy, I don't, but like you said, what do I know? So now we're just kind of squeezing the last bit of content out of NFL free agency before we really hit the uh, we really hit the dog days of quarantine. It's yeah, like summer I, the last thing I want to do is a bracket. Like, I've seen a lot of people do brackets and and, and people like them. I, I know. But, man, I, I am trying so hard 
for the radio show to avoid us just like doing a bracket and debating over oh the we vote on it on Twitter yeah and like the the eight versus nine wow I just that especially when it's like fast food rankings and stuff it just that kind of recycled content to me I can't stand and maybe we have to go there eventually because we could be you know months before we get any real sports back I just the thought of us debating over a bracket of fast food or um, movie villains or whatever that people or, are doing, I, just, I, just, I can't go there. That doesn't really, even just as like a view, listener, none of that, like the bracket stuff doesn't really draw me in. I get other people I get, but even when it's like greatest old Miss player of all time or whatever the case may be, one, it's so subjective. Yeah, it's like. I don't know. We're not not exactly reinventing the wheel there, but if we do do that, you might want to check with Richard first to see if he has a uh, embargo <laughs> on the uh, bracket style of content feeds. Oh <laughs> man, I don't know. I think I'm just going nuts with this quarantine. It's just like Saturday. I, I realize like how much like what. I, there's going to be a bright side to this whole thing. I think it's going to be how much people just like don't take for granted. And I'm sure that'll be short lived just like everything else is. But once we do get back to normal, there's going to be a period of time where no one takes anything for granted. And I kind of realized that Saturday I played golf with a couple other guys and it was borderline. It was one of those borderline golf weather days where it was high fifties. It was gray. It was honestly pretty cold when the wind was blowing. And it was wet. It had rained all day Friday. So, like, on a normal day, like, if you have the option to play golf all the time, among other things, type of thing, it's probably one of those days where you're like, oh, let's just go to the bar and watch a game or let's do something else type of thing. But I've never been so happy just to be outside, like, sludging through the mud playing golf. Like, it didn't affect me at all. I I could have played in 35-degree weather and would have been fine. I was just pumped to get outside and, like, have something to focus on for four hours like that is where i'm at like the weather did not affect me at all and it was not great weather i it might as well have been 70 and sunny i had a great time and now that's gone too. In a long time man i'm jealous i might try to do that this weekend I, I said i went home last weekend and i played twice with my dad and i kind of got back into the golf bug and i was like you know what i'm actually going to try to become a decent golfer again like i type of, like, you got I, time man Exactly, but then they closed the golf courses, so now I don't know what I'm gonna do. See, I don't understand that. I, I, I mean, well, I mean, it's a, I guess it's a non-essential business thing, right? At this oh, point, like, wait, currently, so right now, we're doing that here too, so everything's shut down. Oh, I don't know about in Jackson. I just meant around here in Oxford. It's shut down now. But to your point, the university course was actually closed before that. It it closed before. I don't get that. I, you figure there was an opportunity there. The uh, Oxford Country Club where I played this weekend was actually fairly innovative with the social distancing thing. Like no one uh, touched the flag sticks, one man to a cart type of thing. And then they had a little piece of uh, like they had a little piece of uh, like plastic uh, piping. I don't know what it's called, but one of those pipes that like they put around the thing so the ball wouldn't go to the bottom of the cup. So like it was around the bottom of the flag stick. And so uh that, yeah, I mean, it seemed fairly safe, I guess is what I'm saying. But now, I guess it's the whole non-essential business thing for 15 yeah. days. So, uh, I don't know. And are they going to come it. take all the books do. from us? Like, what are we going to do? Uh, read, I guess. Watch a ton of stuff on Netflix. Uh, my wife and I finished Veep, which is really funny. The last episode is an embarrassment to the show. Uh, the rest of it's great. Uh, the ending's terrible. Um, 
I get, I mean, read and Netflix and I mean, there are some home projects, I guess that we can start undertaking a lot of yard work. I don't know, man. I watched Django Unchained twice in a 36-hour period just because it was on television. See, you need to do the cord-cutting thing and just get all these streaming services. Like, like I've got Hulu and, and HBO and all that crap instead of regular cable. It's great. I've got Hulu and Netflix. Uh, it was just one of those things where I just wanted to sit. I was tired of sitting in my room, so I wanted to sit in the living room just see what was on television. And it came on, and then it came on on Sunday, so I watched it again. I was like, this is a sad existence. You should uh, write a book. Write, write a book uh, yeah. about uh, my mom keeps State's texting academic me that. fraud scandal. <laughs> my mom keeps texting me to like write a book or something. I'm like, what am I going to write a book on? Like, I don't know. Like, title it Bim Bam. I'm not sure. But we, <laughs> like, I've, if anyone has any compelling content, if you think you're an interesting individual and I should write a book on you, reach out to me. I'll, I'll at least workshop it. Um, <laughs> write anyway. a book on no. I'm, I can't decide if it would be worth your time, but like. Braden Thornberry's national championship run. Yeah, but see, that would be tough during this thing because the whole social distancing thing. I don't think Thornberry won't be following him around wherever he's going, which is probably nowhere. He's probably but you don't have to follow him. House. You just talk to him for a long time. That's true. We're gonna have to get creative with this. Uh, speaking of getting creative, I did watch The Hangovers this weekend, and I failed you on organizing a ranking. As I mentioned earlier, I just started writing down all the scenes that Alan had lines in which is pretty much everyone but uh what an experience it was watching the first two hangovers back to back again uh as i mentioned on friday just like this this ranks like top shelf in terms of like comedy movies for me i could watch this a hundred times and it never get old but my favorite ones were the ones with alan at the beginning of the movie before phil and Stu really like know anything about him and they just kind of view him as this almost like zoo animal type thing like you don't know what he's gonna say or do uh, the first one I had on the list was the rooftop wolf pack scene where he brings out the knife because it's just a very casual like guys being dude scene where they're at Vegas talking about how no one's going to ever talk about what we did tonight, what happened in Vegas, stays in Vegas. And then he just whips out a knife and stabs himself in the thumb. Uh, like that's like the quintessential Allen in this movie where he always just takes things incredibly too far and incredibly quickly. The second one I had was... I mean, how could you go wrong with the tiger scene where he just takes a punch from Mike Tyson? <laughs> and the tiger's trapped in the bathroom, and then they, uh, they, the roof and all that they got hit with, I guess, the night before, uh, they put in the stake. Uh, and then I had trouble narrowing it down. I wanted to put in the second scene. One thing I forgot, amidst all, like, the hangover and, like, everything it did in, like, pop culture and everything, the uh, tattoo is from the second movie, not the first. Would you have remembered that off the top of your head? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the uh, Tyson type tattoo. He actually gets that in the second movie. I didn't remember that. Yeah, because I, I remember the end of the first one is when he says bye to the stripper and uh, they yeah. like, they get their suits on the highway and stuff. And he didn't have the the thing then. Random NFL thing, by the way, because I know we're clamoring for sports. The Cowboys are apparently. Uh, Looking at Dantari Poe, Nadamakan Sue, Damon Harrison uh, to sign to play defensive line for him, obviously. They are wanting to pay literally everybody except for their quarterback at this point. Yeah, you figure they'd be working towards a long term deal at that like at, at some point because of the franchise tag, but I guess not a top priority. 
Um, the third one I had was the same one, like the uh, the. <laughs> I love the scene where he figures out about the tattoo because Alan had all his hair either shaved or burned off the night before, and he found they find him in the bathtub, and Stu wakes up and goes, "Alan, your head," and then uh, Alan's like, "No, your head." <laughs> he walks in there and figures out that he has the tattoo. And then the last two I had was I like the let the dogs out scene where he's talking about how he's going to propose to that lady that's a total witch with the bee, Stu is. And then they're all arguing about it. And Alan's like, You're ready to let the dogs out? And they're like, What? And like the entire thing just stops. So. Those were my top five hangover scenes. That's uh, that is the deduction I gathered from four hours of watching The Hangover this weekend, among the other two crappy movies I watched on television. And every scene pretty much involved Alan because, like, he's probably one of my favorite like TV characters of all time. That might be a good thing to do with power rankings. Your favorite just television or like any show character of all time. Mount Rushmore. Why the hell not? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's really good homework. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of you. That's impressive. You know what? That's what we're going to do for Wednesday. I'm deciding it now. If you're listening to this podcast and you want to participate in it, me and Borky will come up with five television movie show characters. Like, not the actor, just like Alan from The Hangover or Rafi from The League or Dwight from The Office, that type of thing. Uh, send in five, and we'll do that for Wednesday. That could actually be pretty fun because I'd have to go back and like think on all the shows I've watched over the years. So, you down with that for Wednesday? I'm down with that for sure. All right. So anyway, before we get out of here, you had that one last NFL note. That, so the so repeat that again. It was the Cowboys going after. I yeah, saw defensive that they tackle did. help, including the Dominican Sue. Yeah, at this point, if you're Dak Prescott, and I understand to some degree why the Cowboys are doing what they're doing, I don't understand the, their method of what they're doing in terms of like, like it's almost becoming like a slap in the face thing. Like you paid the running back that everyone knows is not going to work out contract wise. You're paying all, you paid Amari Cooper, but you're franchising the one constant amongst all of it. And so that doesn't really make any sense. And you would think it would be priority number one to get a deal done. Uh, but it, it does not appear that way as of what you were just saying with the defensive line thing. If I were Dak, just from an ego standpoint, and I get he's kind of a different cat when it comes to that, I think like, this would even bother me at this point. Like, it just your typical, I mean, you saw it with Tom Brady. There was a Seth Wickersham piece that I haven't read yet that I was going to sit down and read today about the end of the Brady thing. And it basically the, the gist of the piece was that he wanted to be like anyone else. He wanted to be valued by his employer at the workplace. And like I feel like Dak is not getting that at all. No, not at all. I, and I, I think it's the, the smart thing to do if you're Dallas. But I still, I, it's mind-blowing that – and maybe they get a deal done before the season starts. But what if you just go ahead and take the tag and play the season and then have a bad year? I mean, gamble on yourself, that's great, but turning down $33 million a year that is and important then rolling to point out, out there and not playing well, you're not going to get that from Dallas, and you're not going to get that from every, anybody else either. Well, that's another side of this that I, I refuse to point out there when kind of painting the Cowboys in a bad light, is he did turn down a contract that would pay him $30 million a year. But then didn't you also blame him for that either? Because the way the market was suggesting and the numbers, like everyone's getting paid. Matt Stafford's getting paid. Derek Carr got paid. Jared Goff, for God's sakes, got paid. Can you blame him for turning that down considering the tea leaves in terms of where the quarterback market was going to go? Like, if it seemed like a guarantee, which it probably didn't, 
his mind and his agent's mind, he's going to get close to 40. Would you turn that down? Like, like they seem like they maybe they ended up thinking they had more leverage than they did. But I have a hard time completely faulting him for that. It looks terrible now. Like he probably should have accepted it. But at the time, it did look like he was probably going to get 35-40 just because that's the way everything was going. But now the Cowboys appear to be drawing a line in the sand. Yeah, so there were people talking that they were even going to get in the Brady market, which doesn't make any sense. But still, I mean, I this is a, a fascinating year coming up in Dallas because everybody around him has been paid except for him. And, I mean, how can they? I mean, I'm, you can work around deals and stuff. Everybody does it. But still, there's there's only so much pie you can give out before you don't have enough. Yep. And then, like you said, this, the franchise tag players hate it it's because, while wow, it's a bunch of money up front. Is like if you're playing, it's like playing another contract year after you just tried to play through a contract year. Like there's no long-term stability. And I understand that. But maybe this is just a stopgap to where they franchise him to get something done before the season. But it doesn't seem to be a gigantic priority. But thank God for NFL free agency because it's gotten through us through the first week and a half of this news slog. I do love the fact that as the seriousness of this whole situation is ramped up, it's being framed more and more towards, hey, if you don't do this self-quarantine thing and you continue to act like a selfish idiot, you're not going to have football. And that seems to be is what grabbed people's attention. Like you're seeing coaches put out videos across the country being like, hey, stay home so we can play football in the fall, which is just like a perfect and accurate representation of both this nation's appetite for football and how they, and like what they actually value and what they don't. Because like, like you're framing it as, hey, like stay in your house so we can have football in the fall, not, hey, people are dying, stay in your house type of thing. Like I, I have found that interesting. Have you noticed this trend in the last it's week? the American way, man. It started with Coach O. Coach O was on the cutting edge of this. I got to give him credit. He did this full tour. Well, he was on like Good Morning America or something. Maybe it was just Fox News. I don't want to like uh, say something untrue. But like he was out in front of it. And then you're seeing more and more football coaches be like, yeah, we're just going to tell our fan base, please, God, abide by these social guidelines, social distancing, whatever, so we can play football. Because if that That's doesn't get the American We haven't seen that from Kiffin or, uh, or Leach yet. Uh, I'm on one of those, I'm not a hundred percent surprised at this point, but yeah, dope. So, Why, totally. Yeah. Like, that Dude, Kippen like doesn't Kippen. give a shit about anything. He does not care about anything at all. Like he no, coaches like, ball and he's a good one, but outside of that couldn't care less. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like his style to make that type of video, but along those lines, you've seen more and more coaches do it across the country. And I just, I find it humorous that like, that's what's getting people's attention. But on the flip side of it, if that doesn't get people's attention, then we're hopeless. Like, I don't know what, if saving football doesn't do it for people, then there, uh, there is no stopping it. Like, I don't know what else you could, you could even dangle out there as like the carrot of please stay indoors and do what you're supposed to do. But I have found that funny. If we've, if we've, we've dumbed it down to, Hey, there won't be football if you don't abide by this. So I don't know. I do, I'm wondering also, I mean, the bill didn't pass last night because, Rippy, believe it or not, and this is going to shock you, uh, political leaders, air quotes leaders, uh, are not acting in good faith when trying to uh, negotiate a bill to help struggling people during a, a pandemic. And I know you're shocked to hear that. Uh, so it didn't get passed. But my question is, if they're really going to send everybody that makes below a certain amount of money, like a $1,200 check or whatever it is, uh, using the 2018 tax returns, I've moved. I have two addresses since then. How do they know where to send my shit? Or am I That's just a screwed? good point. 
I don't know. Maybe just so whoever lives in your old houses is getting double the checks. And you're probably I mean, just seriously. Hey, hey, think about how many people have moved since then, and you're going to use the 2018 tax returns to send everybody a thousand dollars. Well, people move sometimes, you know. Yeah, and how about like my cash? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I would like that cash too. I saw that thing didn't pass, which made me mad because I was sitting there thinking, man, I could use an extra thousand bucks, but. <laughs> Like maybe Same that would help man. me if nothing else. Like I'm one of we knock on wood so far. One of the fortunate ones that this has not affected our job because media is considered essential business. Uh, the way our setup show is like you can do this properly without, you know, four of us being crammed in a room. But like, you know, for a lot of people, that's like a lot more important. Luckily for us, that would just be kind of like a, a, a I guess a little bit of a, you know, I mean, it's just like it is for everyone an economic stimulus. But I guess my point being is like, on the serious side of that, that really sucks because there's some people that could really use that immediately. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I just you know, again, I'm just shocked that uh, political leaders don't act in good faith when uh, negotiating things like this, trying to slip some things into these bills that don't apply. It's just it's incredible uh, what we have grown as a society to accept from that. But I guess that's for Gallo uh, tomorrow morning instead of us. Yeah, maybe uh, I could start a like talk about habits everyone's picking up during this. I'd love to start a podcast with Paul. I would just ask him questions and get him like all ranting and pissed off. Like I probably wouldn't give my own political takes, but I'd just ask him a bunch of questions. I think that could get the people going. Hey, Paul, why shouldn't we just let the government give everybody money all the time? Paul, is Venezuela really that bad? It looks pretty awesome to me. Yeah, Google Pictures, man. It looks sweet. But – he would have to remember my name first for that <laughs> to be the case. So anyway, I don't know what we're talking about here. We're uh, man, this we're, is quarantine podcast. That's all this is. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's some habit I'm going to pick up through all of this because it's getting that way. Like I started reading, which is a good one, but I think I'm going to pick up a bad habit or two from being stuck in my house. So if you notice yourself picking up a good or a bad habit, uh, that might be another content piece. Is just like, hey, what terrible things or not so terrible things are you doing while you're stuck inside your house? Uh, either with your family, by yourself, whatever it may be. But we're all I'm in this going together. to have this week. I'm going to have a uh, a handyman on the radio show to give us ideas for at home projects that the amateur can do during quarantine. That's a good idea, like woodworking and stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and my two roommates and power tools. What could go wrong? We uh. <laughs> Well, but I do like that idea. That would be kind of fascinating. I was going to do so. I was going to have a guest on today, but uh, we're having we're uh, the the studio that in Oxford is uh, that I use for to record guests is temporarily unavailable. Hopefully that'll be cleared up by Wednesday. So I don't know. We'll get creative with some guests. I like the idea for the five greatest television show characters of all time. If you would like to yep. participate Love in that. It. So we're going to we'll lock down that for Wednesday. Day may have a guest thrown in if it uh, logistically possible, and I can think of a creative one. So we'll do that for Wednesday. Unless you got anything else, I'm going to get out of here. But that's uh, that's probably a good tease for Wednesday's show. That's it, man. Uh, really looking forward to hearing you read it, only the first half because the second half of uh, Black and Yellow, uh, you can't even edit it for radio. Like I had to change, um, like certain words to like brother or girls, you know. Um, but but I could get away with that in the first half of the song. That was easy. The second half, it's like, okay, I can't use any of this line, like even edit it. So you only have to do the first half today. 
Yeah, I've actually seen that perform live and in concert at Hangout uh, circa 2014. Even got the tattoo to prove it. Uh, we, <laughs> not really. We, uh, that was not normally my scene. I enjoyed myself at the Hangout Fest. That was more of like, hey, you're in college. Why the hell not type of thing. But uh, me being able to tell my kids I went to a Wiz Khalifa concert. Uh, if that ever ends up being the case, is going to be pretty funny. Really just telling anyone, because I don't think anyone would guess that would be uh, my type of uh, <laughs> social no, setting. Which, yeah, so anyway, I might uh, might just do – that might be another topic. I'm just going to start writing these down. Five most awkward social situations I've found myself in through the years. That could be my book. Holy shit, now we're cooking with go. gas. Yeah, that, so we, we're we going to have to ration this out. That might be a Mailbag Friday special. I'm going to get to work on that immediately. My five most awkward social settings of all time. Anyway, uh, so we've got we've got some stuff, some ideas out there. We're a little bit on uh, shorthanded today because I couldn't do the guest thing. Uh, but we'll be back at it on Wednesday. Be thinking of your five best t- or favorite television characters of all time. Send it to me basically the same way Mailbag Friday, me or Borky, email, text, tweet, what have you. I'll remind you one more time, go see Greg LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. If you're wanting to uh, wanting to get some quality food while you are quarantining, Greg's got it going on. Steaks, custom cuts, they've got ready-to-go meatloaf, doing a lot of ground beef type stuff, but he can hook you up and uh, make this quarantine a little bit more enjoyable with a nice quality steak or some other meal. But go see him. We'll appreciate you listening. Borky and I will be back at it on Wednesday with our five greatest television characters, and then we'll see what happens after that. But tune into the radio show to hear me read rap this afternoon. Goodbye. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.